So um, first and foremost, tell us about you. How did you end up in Manchester? How did you end up being somebody who prays for a living? How did you get that job? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> first, I, I don't know if I'll tell a prayer expert. That's, uh, no, that, that's not really true. No, I, um, so I ended up in Manchester. My parents are missionaries. So my parents um, uh, were leading a church in Nigeria for a, lot of, a long time. And then in 99, my dad left that. He was in London, and the Lord spoke to him about Manchester. He came to Manchester, and the Lord said to him, I have a work for you here. And that ended up being me. Now, we didn't know that at the time. So in 2001, I came over to um, Manchester and uh, went to college, went to uni. And um, I think over, the, over those years, um, I came here with a mission, uh, just a passion to see this nation changed. Um, spiritual awakening, that's what I'll call it. You know, like masses of people turning to God. So I see myself as a missionary, and uh, I'm here to see God change this nation. Brilliant. And so I guess you're convinced that a big part of that happening is that the church and that Christians pray. Yeah. Tell us why that's so important. Well, um, I think prayer is such uh, an important subject that many, once we talk about prayer, first and foremost, some people, half of the people in the church feel guilty because <laughs> I don't pray. And then it's like, you know, most of us don't really understand. Prayer is simple, yet multidimensional. And um, it's such a huge subject. And one of the things that is important to understand is um, concepts uh, from Scripture that the body of Christ needs to understand that helps us then see why prayer is important. Because it's, it's not good enough for me to say, oh, you need to pray. You have to actually understand what happens when you pray or why God has structured the universe with this thing called prayer. Um, fundamentally, prayer is about communion with God. Uh, but there's another dimension of prayer where God does nothing on earth. Listen to that. God does nothing on earth except in response to believe in prayer. Now, that's a very profound statement to make, and it'll take me a long time to unpack that. But the reality is prayer becomes the basis and the foundation through which God runs the universe, and God extends its kingdom, and everything comes out of that. Wow. Cool. So based on that, then, you clearly believe that prayer makes a difference. And do you, have you seen in your life that God answers prayer? And uh, what's that look like for you? Well, I think... For me personally, every day I get up to pray and I'm spending time with God, um, uh, I face the miraculous power of prayer. And what I mean by that is, I think prayer can be difficult. Prayer can be a time where you, you're coming against the flesh, you're feeling um, you know, all the resistance. Um, but one thing I find miraculous uh, that I keep experiencing over and over again. It just blows my mind. It's simple, but it's profound. Is this, that I, and you feel this many times, I can go into prayer feeling so weighed down, so bothered by all these issues, like they're just like mountains before me. And I go into prayer with almost like an unbelief, like, oh God. And I say to people, I, you can't worship and worry at the same time. <laughs> In the same way, when you really engage with God in prayer, you start to experience the power of prayer by how God changes your heart. And it's not like the, the situations actually change instantly, but it's like you change. So this is my exciting bit for prayer. It's the fact that I commune with God and I get changed. And I look 
at the situation differently. And because I say differently, I speak differently about it. And guess what? It ends up changing. I have seen things just melt before me that seemed like huge mountains just because my perception changed, my confession changed, I declared differently because I encountered God in a place of prayer. So, I mean, there are practical examples of things that have happened, miraculous provision, all kinds of things I could talk about. But I think for me is how God comes in and changes my heart and actually rewires my emotions. It's incredible. That's amazing. Brill. So for people like me who maybe feel a bit kind of like prayer can be a bit of a grind or maybe that what you said, sometimes you come into prayer with a bit of, I guess, unfaith going on. Yeah. How can you push past that? How do you get to be comfortable in prayer? What, how do you get kind of regular practice of prayer? What's some advice for, you know, as someone who has championed prayer across this nation? What, what would you recommend for me? So uh, I'm going to speak in a bit and God's going to stir your heart. And when you hear people talk about prayer, if you're really a Christian, your heart is going to be stirred. Now, when your heart is stirred, you have what we call desire. You want to you wanna pray. You want to grow in your prayer life. Every, every person that really is a Christian wants to grow in their prayer life. I want to grow in my prayer life. Okay. It's one thing to have desire. It's another thing to have discipline. So this is why I say desire without discipline will dissipate. So what that means is the fact that you have desire does not mean anything happens. There are many people who have great desires and nothing comes of that desire because they don't channel that desire into discipline. Look at the athletes. They have a desire to be great at their sports, but the desire is not enough. It has to lead into a discipline. And when you step into that place of discipline, many times you can feel the difficulty on your flesh, your body. I'll talk about this later because the main challenge we have in prayer is not God. It's not even the devil. It's you. <laughs> Your thoughts, your flesh. And many times the, the first phase is trying to get rid of all that junk. <laughs> and once you can get past all that junk, you start to enjoy the reality. And sometimes you end up in this cycle of desire, discipline, delight. Discipline, desire, delight. And sometimes you're in the place of discipline. You're praying, you know you have to pray. You're not feeling much happen, but you got to understand. We're talking about faith today as well. You got to understand a lot more is happening uh, when you pray that you can't see. So you can't just base everything based on how you're feeling. So where I would like you to start is, or I encourage you to start is one, a resolve in your heart that you want to be a person of prayer and then channel that into discipline, a regular routine. So you could say, okay, well, I want to spend 20 minutes a day. Wake up in the morning. I want to spend 20 minutes in prayer or 30 minutes in prayer. And I say this, if you hit, 100, if you hit 80% of that target this year, you pray probably five to 10 times more than if you had no target at all. And it's still better than hitting 100% of zero target. Great. <laughs> I've got three more questions before I'm going to let you, uh, yeah. you know, share what you bought for us this morning. The first question is, you said 20 to 30 minutes a day. Yeah. What do you do for 20 minutes in prayer? Because my list might be kind of five <laughs> things, amen. So have you, ever heard, have you ever spoken to those people like maybe Wendy or Jane? Or it's like, oh, I spent two hours, three hours praying. I spent seven hours praying. You're thinking, what on earth were you doing? Has anyone ever thought that? Hands up. <laughs> I have. And I still think that sometimes. What were you doing for 12 hours? I tell you what, I say this from a person that, I, I say this from a perspective of a person that has struggled with that reality. So I'm telling you, you can do so much in a place of prayer in 20 minutes. I'll give you an example. Prayer is not just about talking to God. Prayer is about listening. 
And prayer is not even just about listening. Worship and prayer are two sides of the same coin. So let's start with worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's a form of worship. Well, how many worship songs are on YouTube, online, or on iTunes you can download and listen to to worship God? There's quite a lot. And I'm sure there's so much around that you can find something that connects with you to engage with God. Why not start with some worship? Put on some worship for like 10 minutes or whatever. And in that worship time, worship God. Get on your knees, put your hand, whatever you're going to do, just connect with God. That's part of prayer, okay? From that place, take the Bible, because Bible reading is also part of prayer. God speaks, the written word is an invitation to encounter the living word. So take the written word and turn it into prayer. For example, Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room, shut your door and pray to the Father who is in heaven. Your Father who sees you in secret, reward you openly. Take that verse and say, Father, show me what this really means. Pause. Pray in tongues if you do that. Lord, open my eyes to understand more of what you're trying to say to me. Lord, help me to obey this. Give me the grace. Pause. By doing that, you may not read 10 chapters a day, but you're going deep in what you're reading. Okay? You pray that back to God, and then you, you could develop a prayer list. There's so many needs around you. There are unsaved friends you, you need to pray for, your family. There are issues. You could pray into specific things. That's okay, too. Okay? And you could spend some time praying in tongues, too. I pray in tongues a lot. It's such a powerful part of my prayer life. Okay? Now, you could, you could, you could not just read the Bible. Now, what I've just said to you is pray reading the Bible. You can also read the Bible. You can also meditate the Bible. You can also sing the Bible. Now, everything I've said, if you put that all together and try to do that in 20 minutes, it's not enough. Yeah. Do you see what I'm trying to say? As well as waiting before God and being silent and just taking the time. It says be still and know. You can just be quiet. That's one of our, the test of how comfortable you are with someone is how you maintain silence. Most of us can't maintain silence with God because we're not that comfortable with him. And we're so distracted in our head. It's okay to be quiet before God. Just, just wait. Even if you hear nothing, just wait. <laughs> it's okay. It might be hard at first, but we practice, it gets easier with time. Now, this is just practical things. If you take this and do this tomorrow, 15 minutes will not be enough. I'm telling you. And then you make that a discipline. Whether you feel like it or not, you make up your mind, I am going to spend time with God. That's how you do it. Great. That's really helpful. Maybe uh, you could post sometime on our Facebook group uh, some little tips to do with that because I yeah. think it'd be really helpful. Yeah. Um, Fab, so this thing about the Fast UK, yeah. um, tell us about what fasting is in relation to prayer. I know that fasting is giving up something and spending some time praying instead maybe. What difference does that make? Why not just pray or why not yeah. just, you know, why kind of deprive yourself of something? <laughs> and why are you calling the churches across the nation to do that? Well, well, um, I, I always like to say I have a love-hate relationship with fasting. I cannot ignore the fact that it's in Scripture. So I know I'm called to it. For example, one of the cornerstone um, uh, theological kind of passages of our faith really is the Beatitudes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, if you read it carefully, Jesus talks about when you give, okay? He didn't say if you give. In other words, we're expected as believers to give, okay? Then he says when you pray, Matthew 6. In other words, it's not if we pray, when you pray. There's a time to it. It's something that's part of our faith. And then another thing he says that we don't talk about often, Matthew 6, 16, he says when you fast. It didn't say if you fast, it says when. In other words, it's an expected part of our spiritual life. Every major religion, if not all religions, fast. 
Because something spiritual happens when you, when you fast. And the concept of fasting is about denying your flesh, its appetite, its desires, so that your spirit is more sensitive, alert, and able to be more focused in prayer. That's the whole point, really. That's, that's, the, that's the, the basic kind of definition of fasting. It's letting go of fleshly desires to encounter spiritual realities. Letting go of fleshly desires to go deeper in God. So it's not about just not eating. It's about, you know, I say if you're just not eating, you're starving yourself. However, if you're not eating and you're quieting your flesh, you're saying no to your flesh for the purpose of prayer, then prayer becomes like a dynamite in the spirit. Like when you fast and you pray, like atomic power explodes in the spirit. It's not just words you're speaking now. The words are having a force behind them because you're sacrificing something of your flesh and sacrifice releases spiritual power. I'll round up with this. See, Jesus then says later on in scripture, he says, um, he gave his disciples authority to cast out devils, and they went about doing that. But then they came across this particular one, and he said to them, and they couldn't cast out the devil, and they came to him and they said, well, why couldn't we cast out the devil? Well, he casted out the, the, the demons first, and then he said to them, uh, perverse and unbelieving generation. He said to them, this is because of your unbelief. They can't cast out the devil. And then he says, nevertheless, this one comes out, this one will not come out except by prayer and fasting. The first point is, fasting has an impact on your faith. Because it says, that particular demon, they couldn't cast it out because of unbelief. That's what he said. And then he said, this one will not come out except by prayer and fasting. In other words, there's some things that will not move until we set ourselves to pray and fast. And you see this all through scripture as a spiritual discipline, not just in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. So I think it's something that God also expects us. And I think it's a good spiritual discipline to, uh, to kind of embrace, especially in this season of Lent. Great. My last question is this. We're obviously uh, a few days into Lent. Is it too late to join in? Oh, no, no, no. It's not too late to join. You can join it today if you want to. You can fast for five hours <laughs> or fast for however long you want today. By the way, there are different ways of fasting. Uh, sometimes uh, people think, oh, you say we're fasting for 40 days. We're not drinking. Sorry, we're not eating for 40 days. Not necessarily. There are different dimensions of fasting. In Scripture, when it talks about fasting, it's to do with food. If you look through scripture, all the fast in scripture affect food. However, the challenges we have today is very different to the ones they had in scripture. We have Facebook, we have TV, we have, we have all these things that are just as much cravings for many people as food is. So actually, the point is, fasting is about letting go of the fleshly desires. So you need to ask the Lord, how can I fast? And I would say this, don't give to God that which costs you nothing. The point is, it affects your flesh. You know your flesh craves this. That's why you're going to lay it down. Say, okay, God, I'm going to let go of this. Maybe you have to watch TV every day or be on Facebook, and maybe you need to fast all entertainment. I mean, what would it look like with fast entertainment for 40 days? I'm telling you, you feel the spirit. If, if you watch a lot of TV, you'll feel the change in you. In 40 days of not watching no media and just making time to pray. So it doesn't always have to be food, but scripturally, food is the main kind of thing. And there are different dimensions of even food fasting, you know, so uh, it's not too late to fast. Good stuff. Brill. Well, I'm going to pray for awesome for you yes. and then, uh, yeah, bring what you got for us, mate. So, God, I pray that uh, as we listen to James, you just open our hearts to uh, your word for us this morning. Thank you that James is a person of influence in this nation who's making a difference in the church, but actually what's going to make more of a difference is thousands upon thousands of people um, just sacrificing for you, giving not just a small amount, but giving their all for you, Jesus. I pray that we'd lead 
uh, at Ivy in what that looks like in this nation. And thank you for James as he speaks to us now. We just pray for your blessing and your anointing upon him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. I want to show you a video. I don't know if it's ready to go. So um, um, uh, as Prayer Storm, we're, we're partnering with a friend of ours uh, who who's, has this vision for pure cinemas to show movies that edify people. And, uh, and uh, we're going to be showing this film. I saw this film in America in September and I was radically impacted because when I watched this film, I thought the film actually teaches on prayer like so many sermons that it just communicates it in such a perfect way powerful way that when you watch it, you really understand what I'm saying. So as Preston, we're going to be showing this movie next, this coming Saturday, the 20th, in this very room. But I want you to see the trailer and then I'm going to share some stuff with you. So if it's ready to go, please go ahead. Amen. So uh, that's going to be here on Saturday. It's three pounds, and I think from the 16th, it's free. So I want to encourage you to come and see this. I, I, I promise you, you will be massively encouraged. It's so stirring. Okay, before I start, um, can we just close our eyes? I want you to just repeat a few words after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your Holy Spirit here right now. Okay, I want to hear you say that again. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for your Holy Spirit here right now. And your word says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I declare freedom to my mind, freedom to my emotions, freedom to every part of my life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, sometimes you just need to make some declarations uh, because uh, that's how things function. (laughs) What I want to do is I want to, by the help of the Holy Spirit, try to um, show you a few things about how faith connects with prayer and uh, why uh, prayer is very important. Um, I've got a short amount of time, so I might talk fast, and I might not even be able to get through as much as I want to. Uh, but um, I think, uh, let's just see how we go. So one of the key scriptures you're starting with uh, is uh, uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, where it says, now faith, I love the, um, the New King James. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, so everyone say faith. Is substance. Faith is evidence. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then later on in that verse, or later in that chapter, it talks about uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Does anyone want to please God today? Put your hand up if you want to please God. Now, How many of you would say you're a Christian? Put your hand up. Okay, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. By saying you're a Christian, you already have faith. You're already pleasing to God. (laughs) Because, you can put your hand up, because you can't call yourself a Bible-believing Christian, as, as far as the Bible defines Christianity, and not please God. Because by saying that, you believe that God is what is the, the verse in Hebrews eleven six? 6? It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. That's the key. You must believe that he is. So by you saying you're a Christian, you already have saving faith. You believe that God is real. You're pleasing to God. That's the starting point. Now, another dimension of this I want you to start to understand is how this affects your perception of things around you. I'm about to say a statement that might shock you, but you got to hear me. You do not have a spirit. You are a spirit. Did you hear me? You do not have a spirit. You are, uh, say that, I am a spirit. That might seem strange, but that's the reality. (laughs) You're not a physical being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a physical experience. See, until you begin to understand what I'm saying to you, you will think prayer is a waste of time. Because I don't got a physical Bible. I was going to hold my Bible, but it's my iPad. Thank you. You know this book we read, we preach from? Take out all the things that deal with spiritual things and you have nothing left. By saying you're a Christian, you believe there is more than your eyes can see. But most people don't even think about it. You just say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, by saying you're a Christian, you're saying, one, not just just that there is a God. If there is a God, guess what? There is a dark side too. There is a devil. And he hates you. The fact that you can't see does not mean it does not exist. There are many things you cannot see, but they do exist. Have you seen your brain before? The only reason why you believe you have a brain is someone told you you have a brain. You've never seen your own brain before. But you know your brain causes you to function. Can you see the radio waves in this room? They are in this room, but you can't see them. But if you had a radio receiver, you can begin to connect with them and download, activate what's already in the atmosphere. In the same way, there's spiritual things already in existence around you, in you, that you have no idea about. You are not a body. I've got news for you. You're going to live forever. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you're going to live forever because your body is going to die, but your spirit is eternal. When God created Adam, he formed Adam in Genesis from the dust of the earth, okay? And then he says he breathed life into him. The life that God breathed into Adam is eternal life. That part of God never dies. But the body was formed from the earth. That's why when you die, you get put back in the earth because that's the earth you came from. But the part of you that came from God is eternal. And when Adam was living on the earth, Adam was living in the reality of the fact that he was a physical being and he was also a spiritual, he was a spiritual being having a physical experience. That's why he was less aware of his physical surroundings. He was naked and he was not ashamed, the Bible says, because he wasn't aware he was naked. He was more spiritually conscious than he was physical conscious. Now look at what it says in Hebrews 11. 
Hebrews 11.3. This is outstanding. It says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Look at these next few words. So that the things that are seen were not made from things that are visible. Now, you've got to understand that that is a heavy statement to make. The Bible is saying the things that are seen are not made from things that are visible. Okay, what are the things that are seen? Your body, this sofa, this wood that came from a tree, everything around you are things that are seen. And then he's saying the things that are seen came out of, listen, things. But those things were spiritual things. Are you, are you tracking with me? Is anybody with me today? Or shall I close this and go home? <laughs> He's saying, the things that you can see came out of the things that you cannot see. You know what that means? The things that you cannot see are superior to the things that you can see. Do not get deceived and think you're just a body and you're just physical. No, no, no. When God created the human race initially, we were called to be people who saw God and were able to hear him face to face. Adam saw God and walked with God. He was more spiritual conscious than he was body conscious. But sin came into the world and guess what happened? There was a reversal. Right now, we're more body conscious than spiritual conscious. But that's not to say the spiritual realm is not real. I'm telling you right now, you don't have to believe me, but I'm telling you, there are angels in this room that you cannot see. The fact that you cannot see them does not mean they're not there. Now, if you think I'm lying, then you, you cannot claim to be a Christian with this book. Because this book says that, and this book talks about that, and you cannot hide from that reality. The angels around us, the angels of the Lord encamp around those who fear him. Guess what? I fear the Lord. And I live right before the Lord by His grace, by His righteousness. So guess what? The angels of the Lord encamp around me. I don't have to see them. I know they're there. You're never alone. I don't care how lonely you feel. You are never, ever, ever alone. You need to live with this reality. Even in your thoughts, God is aware of your thinking. You see, this is how you pray without season. You're aware that God hears your thoughts. So you know everything you're thinking and going on in your mind, God is listening in. Why not just involve him in the conversation? He's already listening. <laughs> why, why do you act like no one? He knows every thought that's coming to your mind. He knows exactly what you're thinking right now. Who's this crazy black guy shouting in front of me? He knows exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> you can't hide anything from me. So you might as well just be real. See, this is where this gets very, very tricky. If what I'm saying to you is true, then you've just bought into something that can radically change your life. If it's true that the spiritual realm is superior to the natural realm, that tells me there are many things going on in the natural realm. They don't have their source in the natural realm. They have their source in the spiritual realm. What does the Bible say? Jesus came to give life and life in abundance. The enemy, where is he? He's in the spiritual realm. 
And you are in that spiritual realm right now. The enemy exists. The Bible says it. I'm not making it up. I'm not being super spiritual and casting out devils out of every cops and tea and everything. No, no. The Bible says it. That we have an enemy. You know what it comes to do? To steal. To kill. And to destroy. He has an assignment. So how do I know if what's going on in my life is from God or from the devil? Is it destroying? Is it dark? What are the fruits of the things I'm experiencing right now? I can look at the fruits to discern the root. And many people say, well, why, does, why do good things happen to bad people? Do you understand that the fact that bad things are happening does not mean God is the one doing the bad things? Why do we always have to blame God for bad things that happen? Not realizing the enemy does bad things too. It's not about God doing bad things. It's about the enemy wanting to come and kill, kill, and destroy. Now, if the source of those things are in the spiritual realm, you don't deal with it physically. You don't deal with it by having a child with your friend. That's help. That, that's, that's good. Counseling is good. But you cannot counsel demons. You cast them out. Now, I'm not here saying every single problem is from the devil, but I'm telling you, a great majority of problems we go through is from the devil. It's not from God. God is not wanting to... Yes, God, God uses the situation even in the bad. He says all things work together for good. But actually, the enemy is trying to ruin your family. The enemy is trying to ruin your marriage. The enemy is trying to ruin everything that concerns your life in God. And you cannot sit there and just go, yeah, God, whatever will be, will be. If you do nothing... Nothing happens. And the enemy keeps doing what he's doing. That's why you need to take the battle to where it started, the spirit. How do you take the battle to the spirit? That's where prayer comes in. Because when God created Adam, this statement that God made to Adam changed everything. God said to Adam, God, it says in Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our own image. That was God talking to the, the, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image. And then listen to what it says. Let them have dominion over the earth. God did not put himself in the equation. He says, let them. He didn't say, let us, God. Let them, let man, we have dominion over the earth. By saying that, he set a law in motion. Have you ever asked yourself, why didn't God stop Eve from eating the fruit? God saw that Eve was about to eat the fruit. God saw exactly what was about to happen. Why did God not step in? He would have saved us all this trouble we're in right now. I'm telling you. Because if he stepped in, he would have violated his own law. He says, let them have dominion. He wasn't going to come and then control Eve to do what she wanted to, what he wanted her to do. She had to, of her own will, decide because now she had dominion with Adam. You know what that means? By doing that, it's not that God is not all powerful, but God so, is so powerful that what he says becomes law and he subjects himself to his own law. So God will not come and do something on the earth without a man in agreement with him. Read your Bible all through scripture. God will not do anything on the earth without a man saying, God, I'm in agreement with you. And yes, do what you want to do. 
or God convinces them to buy into his idea. Somehow there's a man involved because God is spirit in the spirit and the man is physical and God has given the man dominion of the earth. That's why heaven will not invade earth until earth, human beings like you and me, welcome the reign of heaven. And that is why prayer is absolutely vital. And that is why the devil fights prayer the most in the church because he doesn't want us to know that he is just doing all these things behind the scenes. So he wants us to just be uh, powerless in prayer so that he can carry on propagating darkness and bondage while we just carry on having nice tea parties. I didn't ask you to clap. If you're going to clap, clap well. <laughs> I'm serious. This is how the enemy is gaining territory. God has called us to do exactly what Jesus did. For this reason was the Son of God manifested to destroy the works of darkness. In women's shows, saying in, uh, Jane, and Gi- uh, Jane and Simon are moving into the man's. No, it's not man's, they're oaks. <laughs> and there are loads of people in women's show right now bound by the enemy. By preaching the gospel, you know what happens? The power of the gospel destroys the works of darkness. Their eyes open up. They receive Jesus. That is a spiritual transaction. Preaching the gospel is not just about communication, you know. (laughs) You're dealing with spiritual forces. So before you stand on the platform to preach, you better do your homework. homework. Deal with those verses in prayer. And this is why Luke 10 2 is important. I round up now because I know my time is up. This is why Luke 10 2 is absolutely vital for this season. We're called to be a missional community. But what I love about Luke 10 2 is it says, The harvest field is great, it's plentiful, the laborers are few. Now, it's important you understand the next word Jesus says. Because the harvest field is great, that tells me there are a lot of people that are supposed to be in church. They're not in church, they're bound by darkness, and they're ready to be brought out of darkness. That's what that's saying. There are loads of people out there right now that are ripe for harvest. They're ready. If you just go out there and talk, they're they're hungry. They just need someone, something. But they're already bound by darkness. And to be a Christian means to come out of darkness into light. So Jesus is saying, there's loads of these kind of people around us. And our first response is not to go and preach to them. What does it say? The harvest field is plentiful. The laborers are few. The first response is pray. Why? Because God knows how we set this thing in motion. Nothing happens on the earth Without heaven, nothing of heaven really happens on the earth without something of earth connecting with something of heaven. If we're going to see the rain come down, prayers need to go up. If we're going to see the fire come down, prayer needs to go. If we're going to see the glory come down, prayer needs to go up. Prayer goes up, fire comes down. That's the law that God has set in motion. So God says, the harvest field is great. I'm not asking you to go to them. Because they're bound by darkness, you better do your homework in the spirit. Pray. Because when you pray, something happens in the heavens. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to shout like me. I am animated. I say, I'm going to do me. You do you. You have to be you and I'm going to be me. When you pray, you don't have to shout like me. You just have to be you. When you pray, something happens in the heavens. You don't have to see it. This is where faith comes in. You don't have to see it to believe it. By saying you're a Christian, you call yourself a believer. That means you're a believer, not a feeler. 
Now, yes, your emotions do get involved eventually, but you cannot be led by your emotions. We are led by the Spirit. That is why you fast, so that you quiet him, the desires of the flesh, so that you can start to connect with your, the Spirit, who you really are more. Most of you, many of you here, have lost touch with your own spirit. You're more connected to your soul and your emotions and everything else. And it's like you've lost the real you. It's time to wake up on the inside. Your spirit is the real you, not your body. That's why you need to quieten all the TV and, all, and just say, God, I, I, let there be. You, see, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. If you feed your spirit with a spiritual food, prayer, worship, the word, right community, your spirit grows. And you know when your spirit is growing. You become more sensitive spiritually. You start to pick things up. You start to prophesy. Things start to come just so clearly like never before. But if you don't do that, you feed your flesh all the time and you only come to church on Sunday morning and think your spirit is going to be strong. No. You're just going to gradually die off spiritually. You're a Christian, but you're dead spiritually. So I'm here to say one word to you. Wake up! Can we shout that together to each other? Wake up! Once you go, wake up! That's my assignment, to wake you up out of the slumber. <laughs> the baby has just woken up. <laughs> Sorry, Sid. <laughs> okay, I round up with this. So the Lord says, pray the Lord of the harvest. When you pray, something happens. That the Lord will do the sending. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. The first response, the magnitude of the harvest is not a missions movement. Did you hear me? I, I need to round up here. I know time is gone. So just catch me with this point and I'm finished. The first response to the magnitude of the harvest out there is not a missions movement. The first response is a prayer movement. Because the prayer movement in the right order of things will give birth to the missions movement. Some people are going, but they've not been sent. The thing is, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send. He does the sending. We do the prayer. He does the sending. And when you pray, you have to see yourself as part of the solution to the prayer so that he can also send you. But the point is, you have to be sent from prayer. What tends to happen these days many times is we go and do the mission and then ask him to bless the mission. As opposed to we go and do the prayer and let him send us to where he wants us to go. Are you with me? We need to do things in the right order. And I believe when we do things in the right order, we will see the God kind of fruits. So I want to challenge you, what would it look like for Ivy Sharston to start to live out that reality of Luke 10 too? I'm telling you, Matt, Matty will not have to stand up to preach about missions. You can't start to pray, run into Jesus and not catch his heart for missions. It's impossible. I'm not spending my time praying because I'm, I can't be bothered standing on the platform preaching or going on the street. I've done that. And I'll do that if the Lord is calling me to do that. But I know he's calling me to mobilize a prayer movement. I'm not doing it as a cop-out for not being a missionary or not being out on the streets. I will do that as well. But the point is, I understand the order. And my assignment is different to Andy Hawthorne's assignment or Anthony Delaney's assignment. My assignment is to call the church to that word. And from that reality of prayer, Things will be sent out and then there'll be great impact and masses will start to come in with the powers of darkness destroyed. Everyone say amen. amen. Do you understand with me? Pray. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if you want to just respond to this. I've preached a word. I know the Lord is here and I know he's stirring your heart. 
if you are saying, Lord, I want to respond to this message right now. It doesn't matter whether you know anything about prayer or you know, nothing, or you know, you know, you know a lot about prayer. If you're just and you're asking, Lord, I'm responding to this right now. Just put your hand up. I want to pray over those that are, by the, your action is a form of faith. Saying, Lord, I'm connecting to this word. I want to be a man, a woman of prayer. And I want you to give me a greater passion in my own private life for this, for this life of prayer. Just put your hand up and I'm going to pray over you. Father, I thank you for Ivy Shalston. I thank you for every single person here with their hands up and their hearts stirred. Lord, I'm asking for a fresh impartation of a spirit of grace and supplication. I'm asking for a fresh impartation of a spirit of prayer. Lord, I'm asking that the complacency, the deception, the lies, the walls of opposition, all these things that's holding us back will be broken down in Jesus' name and let there be the gushing forth. For your word says, out of our bellies will flow the rivers of living water so we unblock the wells right now we unblock the wells right now we say let our spirits arise let our hearts begin to be awakened to the word of the Lord Father release over us right now fresh fire fresh focus fresh desire Lord ask that Lord every deception lie of the enemy will be uprooted from our emotions from our minds and let our minds our emotions our bodies come into alignment with the agenda of heaven Father I thank you for the grace to pray I thank you for the grace to seek your face I thank you for the grace to fast. And Lord, I pray that this church, Ivy Shelston, begins to walk in this reality. In the name of Jesus. Everyone said amen.